this is Charlie Stumbaugh, the lead pastor of Cornerstone Church, Colorado. Thank you for being with us today. Be sure to subscribe for our weekly content to encourage your faith. Let's listen in as Pastor Jason brings the message. What is your life purpose? Have you ever thought of that question? Um, I'm sure we've all thought of it, but have you ever taken time to really sit down and maybe write it out, really think it through? What is my life's purpose? Why, why do I exist? What's the greatest purpose for my life? I mean, I think we have a lot of answers we could give to that, but what would be the main one, the overarching purpose for our lives? What is that? I want to read a, a few different quotes people have said on that. Um, Ralph Waldo Emerson says, The purpose of life is not to be happy. It's to be useful, to be honorable, to be compassionate, to have it make some difference that you have lived and lived well. All right, Eleanor Roosevelt. The purpose of life is to live it, to taste, experience, to the utmost, to reach out eagerly and without fear for newer and richer experiences. And Fedor Dostoyevsky, the author of The Brothers Karamazov, says the mystery of human existence lies not just in staying alive, but in finding something to live for. Just a couple more. The purpose of life, says Robert F. Kennedy, is to contribute in some way to making things better. And then Mark Twain, you got to like, like Mark Twain, he says, the two most important days in life are the day you were born and the day you find out why, (laughs) why you were born, what your purpose is. Um, Just some examples. And I think I I always love the way the Westminster Catechism expresses our purpose. It says this, this great doctrine, this creed of the church says, the chief end of man, or the main purpose of humanity, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I had a a pastor friend who used to say to uh, glorify God while enjoying him forever. I think that's a great distinction as well. But what is our purpose? Today, as we continue our study in the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus and and most likely to a lot of um, different recipients in Asia Minor, a letter that was probably passed around um, and, and learned and experienced by many people. Um, One of the things Paul really touches on today is what is our life's purpose? What do we pursue? And an interesting thing about today's message is that um, unlike most messages I think we preach, today's message does not um, instruct you on something you should do or something you should refrain from doing. We're not going to tell you to believe something. I'm not going to tell you to change something or repent of something or or feel something, experience something. I'm not going to ask you to release something. Today's message that that revolves around our life's purpose is simply about something I want you to pray, to pray for something, something specific for yourself and for those around you. So pressure's off. It's pretty easy. Not going to ask you to do too much except pray through this message. So we just finished uh, an amazing intro to Ephesians, 
um, I pray at every campus. It was just a, a lot of information, but beautiful information as we went through the beginning of chapter one and this great prayer of Paul as he's just almost bursting forth, overflowing with praise to God in, in Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14, um, which is, is all one sentence in the, the, the Greek. And Paul just pours out these great truths of who we are in Christ, right? As we are in Christ through belief in Jesus, then we're included into this um, this position, I guess is a way to say it. Some have described it as like a great vessel, as a, as a great airplane or a great ship. But when we believe and are included in Christ, a part of the people of God, we're brought into this beautiful reality where we are adopted as children of God, where we become holy and blameless as, as when God sees us, when God sees you. He doesn't see all your junk, all your sin. Not that we make excuses for that, but when he sees you, he sees Jesus and the sacrifice he paid for you. And because of that, you are holy and blameless in his sight. That's what we are in the reality we live in, in Christ. Okay, We are forgiven. We are redeemed. All these great truths from the beginning of this chapter. We are sealed in the Holy Spirit. He's our deposit, right? God is coming back. There's more to come. These amazing truths. Um, And and as we continue today, as we get into our scripture today, we're going to see more of these great truths and how we live into them. So if you have your Bible, I encourage you to open it up to Ephesians chapter 1. And we are going to continue with verse 15. In verse 15, Paul continues. After all these things he's just declared, he says, For this reason, because of all these truths, and ever since I've heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So Paul knew many of the people he was writing to, but it had been about six years, I believe, since he had visited Ephesus. So there are new believers. He's hearing about new people and the faith and the way they're living that out and their love for people. And uh, every time Paul prays, he thanks God for these people, for these believers. And he continues, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Father, uh, the God of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So Paul's prayer, Paul is praying for them. His prayer is that God might give them his spirit in a, in a unique way, a special way, and give, give them his spirit as a means of giving them wisdom and revelation, that the spirit would open their minds and eyes to receive these great truths, to understand them, to really apprehend them, so that you may know him better. And I believe, friends, that is is our greatest purpose throughout life, is to continually know God better, to experience him in a deeper and deeper and deeper level. This is, I believe, our life's purpose. This is what our greatest pursuit should be, the greatest purpose for our existence should be to continue to know God and experience and live in in the presence of God deeper and deeper and better and better, that you might know him better. 
So I just pause for a minute and encourage you to ask yourself, is this happening right now? Is this your person? Is this your greatest purpose in life? What you, you hold above everything else is to know God better. Is that what drives you to know God better? I think for many of us, Paul's words here are a, an incredible reminder of, of what should be our greatest pursuit. I think sometimes we get stagnant. Sometimes we get stuck. We get complacent. Sometimes we settle for whatever place we are in our walk with God. We, we kind of settle. And I think that desire should always be to know God better, to know Him better. Friends, I truly believe for all eternity. I know some people think when you get to heaven, all your questions will be answered and you'll be in the presence of God and not have any more questions or revelations of God. Friends, I believe for forever we're going to continue to be blown away by the glory of God, by the majesty of God, the holiness of God, the wisdom of God, that, that these great revelations will continue to flood us and we'll just cry out, holy, 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 uh, as we worship Him, that we continue to, to just be blown away by His glory. Have we settled? I like uh, C.S. Lewis, great author. Many of you have probably read some of his books, but uh, the Chronicles of Narnia and, and others. Um, but in one of his books, The Weight of Glory, he says, if there lurks in, the, in most modern minds the notion that to desire our own good and to earnestly and earnestly to hope for the enjoyment of it is a bad thing. I submit that this notion has crept in from Kant and the Stoics and is no part of the Christian faith. Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the gospel, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when, the, when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. And I think many of us have just, in a sense, settled. We're far too easily pleased. We've just kind of grabbed hold of, of what we've got and we're, we're content. And I think God is calling us to deeper and deeper places in Him, to understand and live in the promises of Scripture and grab hold of those truths um, in a deeper way. So Paul prays that believers not only understand these truths with their minds, right? He expresses them, he writes them so we can hear them and know them with our minds. But his desire is that we know God better, that the eyes of our heart will be opened, right? Every time I read that, I think of that old song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, I Want to Know You. Um, yeah, I could start singing. I want to see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. It's amazing what you'll do on a microphone when you're not in front of people. But uh, open the eyes of our heart. If you look at verse 18, Paul just says that the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray, again, this is his prayer. This is what he's asking God to do for us. What he's asking God to do for the people in Ephesus. I pray 
that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So not just your mind, not just your head, but the eyes of your heart. That's the heart is understood as the center of your being, the center of your emotion and will, right? The core of who you are. And then in that you have your, your feelings, your emotions. And it, it, the idea here is not just to understand these truths with our mind, but to feel them, to apprehend them with our heart, to know them, to experience them, right? It's the difference between knowing a carton has chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream in it because it says it on the outside of the carton, right? That's mind head knowledge, right? But, but the knowledge Paul's talking about is what it feels like to actually experience that cookie dough going down uh, through your taste buds, right? To experience chewing on that delicious cookie dough and, and bringing that in, right? That's the difference. You don't just know it. Yes, I still know it's chocolate chip cookie dough, but now I have a deeper knowledge, a deeper understanding, a deeper experience with something as silly as cookie dough ice cream, right? So a better example, um, you know, Teslas are all the rage right now. And, you know, you see them going by and my kids are fascinated by them. We have a friend who owns one. So every time we see a Tesla, they like to say, oh, call it out. There's the Tesla. And it's one thing to know what a Tesla looks like and to know uh, the emblem of a Tesla and to be able to identify it because, you know, they they don't have the grills on the front like most cars do. Um, And they have a particular style. But it's a lot different, I can tell you, when you get to sit behind the wheel of a Tesla. Right, We have good friends who, who own a Tesla, and on the way to a ski race, they let me drive the car, and it is a lot of fun. <laughs> As someone who drives an old Land Cruiser that can barely make it above 65, that Tesla was a new experience. Uh, it was a lot of fun, but that's kind of the difference, knowing about something, knowing it, but not really experiencing it. Um, the last example I'll use we went out as a family over spring break. We went out to the Canyonlands, to a really obscure part of the Canyonlands called the Maze. And it's, it's not by Moab. You have to go around another few hours and in a gravel road. And uh, you come in and we camped out for one night. And then the next day, or two nights, next day, we four-wheeled about 20 miles. And it took over two hours, two to three hours, to the Maze Overlook. And, you know, you read about it, you hear about it, you see pictures about it. But standing over this overlook and, and seeing it with your own eyes was almost indescribable. Like, it's very hard to, to put words to it, the beauty of, of what this just amazing um, land feature was like, massive. And then not just to see it, not just to stand there and look at it, but then actually to climb down in it and to, to get in the maze and to climb all around in there was just amazing. But this is what I think Paul is speaking of. This is open the Holy Spirit, spirit of wisdom and revelation. Do what only God can do. Like we can't do this on our own. Holy Spirit, we need you to open the eyes of our heart. So that these aren't just truths and things we read on the pages of the Bible, but they're things we experience deep within us. These are things that are a part of our feeling and emotion and the core of who we are that we, we've tasted and seen and grabbed hold of. 
These are truths that are a part of our lives daily. Holy Spirit, open the eyes of our hearts to understand these things, to grab hold of these things. We don't want to just believe in, in words. We want to experience and feel and know the power and the presence and the glory of God and who we are in him. Experience the glory of God. Hmm. I think many of us, many of you listening probably have, have your heads full of head knowledge about God. I believe Paul's prayer is for you, and it's a prayer you need to speak forth and proclaim, God, open the eyes of my heart. God, open the eyes of my heart to truly grab hold of these promises. God, I'm tired of making mud pies, right? I'm tired of it. I want to experience you on a deeper level through prayer, through worship, through grabbing hold of these things. That's what we're called to. That's what we pray for. Okay? And Paul continues. He doesn't stop here. So, so he continues, open the eyes of our heart uh, that we may, uh, sorry, open the eyes of my heart. I, I should find it in the scripture here. Pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know, and here are some things specific that Paul is calling us to know, the hope to which he has called you. Okay, in the context of the last section, I think, the hope to which he has called you. We look at all these things we are called to. We are chosen into these things, that, that adoption. We are God's children. These are realities. We're not praying that these might take place. We're praying that we might understand these realities, that we are adopted. We are God's kids. He's chosen us into his family through faith, through believing in him. We are part of that, that family of God that we have um, redemption and forgiveness of sins. We are blameless. Like, these are things that, that we need to, to grab hold of. That you may know the hope to which he has called you. The hope of what it means to be changed into his likeness. That we are sanctified. That we are new people in him. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And now this line can be a little confusing. And there's two ways people have looked at it that, that I've seen as I've studied this and looked at different commentaries and read through this numerous, numerous times. So the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and it can be understood in two ways, and I don't know that either one's right or wrong, but the riches of his glorious inheritance is his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And Reading it from that perspective, reading it in that way, the inheritance is God's. And the inheritance is what he receives in us, in his holy people, as Paul has said right at the beginning of this letter. He's addressing it to God's holy people, to the saints in Ephesus. So we are his inheritance. And that's not the way we usually interpret that verse, but it's a beautiful way to picture it. And I think of, of how Scripture tells us all of heaven rejoices when one person repents of their sins and finds life in God and receives salvation. Now, the heavens rejoice, right? His inheritance, he glories in that. He delights in that, right? I think we so often just picture God up there, stern face, arm full, arms folded, just waiting for us to kind of get things right. And just to see God almost on the end of his seat, just waiting for his, his people, waiting for, for those he's created, all of us, 
waiting for people to give their hearts to him and receive his forgiveness. It's that picture of the father and the prodigal son waiting for his son to come home. And when he comes home, he rejoices, right? The father rejoicing in his son who is home. Um, thinking about us as God's inheritance, reflecting on that. Open our eyes to that, God, the delight you receive, that you receive the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, your inheritance in us. And I think the other way, and probably more common way, we understand this is, is the things we inherit, right? Scripture talks a lot about our inheritance in God, that, that in him we have peace, we have um, power of the Holy Spirit. In him, the fruits of the Spirit live in us. In him, we have the promise of eternal life. In him, we have all these things, uh, a glorified body, a new heaven, a new earth, all these things. These are our inheritance. We're not praying that we might receive them. We're praying that the eyes of our heart might be opened, that we can grab hold of those, understand those. So his glorious inheritance in the holy people, a couple different ways to think about that, and that his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power that's available to us that we so often just have no idea about. So often we live um, almost in a sense defeated lives when we have the power of the resurrected King living within us. Living within us. In Ephesians we see a lot of the, the, the battle we face between forces of darkness, between the heavenly realms, right? Um, not, we, we, we don't wrestle flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. And I think Paul is praying, praying God open their eyes, open our eyes to the power available to us in Jesus. That's ours. That, that's ours to hold. So we're not praying to gain these things, to gain a new hope, to gain an inheritance um, or this power. They're ours. We're prayer is that we would live into them, that we would live into them. And then I'll just finish with this. Paul goes on in finishing out this section to, to explain what that power is. And I think that's so important. It's the power, the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every name, that is invoked not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things, everything, under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So a few things in here. Paul points out the power over death. Power over death is broken in your life. The power, that sting of death, as scripture calls it. Yes, we still die, but, but now, um, as one great pastor said, it's a pathway to paradise, right? Death is not um, something we need to fear or be worried about. It's not something that should have a negative power over us, but power that, that we realize, the power that raised Christ from the dead dwells within us, and we will live forever with God, right? It is the pathway to paradise. It says that we're seated at the right hand of the Father, and that's not a position, that, that's a, a right, that's a, a authority thing, all right? In Ephesians, just a little farther, in chapter 2, verse 6, it says, And God raised us with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ. Okay? We are seated with Christ. 
This power is the same. The power that was demonstrated, exerted when Christ rose from the dead is the same power that dwells within us. It's the power that, that gives us eternal life. It's the power that breaks the death over us. It's the power that seats us in a place of authority, in a place of um, strength in God's presence that as God's children adopted as his own, we are seated with Christ. That's a position of authority in God's presence um, that we get to exert in the here and now, right? And and that power, it it goes without saying, but Paul continues there, that power um, uh, puts everything under our feet, right? Everything above all rule and authority, power and dominion. Everything is under our feet. And we see that more and more in in chapter 6 of Ephesians, where it talks about putting on the armor of God and and really standing in the strength that we have, that authority that we have, the authority we have, and that in Christ we are a part of the church, and the church will fill everything in every way. There will be a day where it won't be divided, where God will bring unity, God will redeem this earth, and we will be a part of his body, his church, in reigning and ruling with Christ. These are the things, the great power that is available to us in Jesus. And we get to stand in. We get to stand in. So these are things I believe we, we have the privilege of praying with Paul. We, we get to pray. We don't, we don't do, we don't learn something new in a sense or, or try to change something. All we do is pray, God, Reveal this to me. God, open the eyes of my heart. God, let me see the hope that's mine. Let me see the inheritance. Let me understand that. Your delight in that inheritance or the inheritance that that we receive. Let us live into that. God, open my eyes to that. God, let me see and live and feel and and. uh, Just let that power flow through me, that power that raised Christ from the dead. Let me see that in my life. God, we we don't want just to know more about you. We want the eyes of our hearts opened. God, our purpose in life is to know you better and better and better forever. Open the eyes of our heart to know you better, to be able to grab hold of these truths and live into them. In Jesus' name. We are so honored that you are with us today. Remember, subscribe to the show and check out our website at cornerstonechurchco.com for more resources.